If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I feel like a kid in a candy store when I'm meeting all these wonderful quilters. I'm like, oh, I get to have another friend. I get to have another friend. We like the same thing. That really, that really fills me up. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafter stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. My guest today is Krista Watson. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month, and they are usually one project from start to finish in real time, and they're streamed live, so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. I know if you ask any two quilters, you'll get three opinions about whether to press your seam allowances open or to one side when you're piecing a quilt. Here's the thing, I don't think one way is necessarily right or another way wrong, but there's features about each of them. So let's talk about those for a second. When you press a seam allowance open, it tends to lay flatter. For one thing, you've got a really sharp and crisp fold. You avoid getting a little tiny pleat at the seam line. And also, of course, because the fabric is evenly dispersed to both sides. So that makes a really flat result, both for working with when you're piecing the top and also when it comes to quilting it. However, it can take quite a bit more time to press seams open. So some quilt makers prefer to press them to one side. That can be much more efficient time-wise. And also from the point of view of a long-arm quilter, if you know at the outset that you want some custom quilting, that often 
requires some stitching in the ditch along some of the piecing lines and of course you need to press to one side in order to create a ditch. If all the seams are pressed open there is no ditch to stitch in and then through the quilting process you have to stitch slightly to one side of that seam. So those are just a couple of the things you want to consider when you're deciding which way to press the top of your quilt but remember no right and no wrong just the one that you choose. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Krista Watson's quilting accomplishments are enormous. She's a pattern writer, fabric designer, quilting table designer, and now the host of Krista Quilts TV, her newest YouTube channel. Krista's enthusiasm and heart for teaching and sharing is so evident in all she does. Let's welcome her into the studio. Krista, welcome to my studio. So glad to have this chance to visit with you. Yay, I'm so excited for you and I to get to be quilty friends. Yes, and I, of course, I see you all over the interwebs, but we kind of, air quotations, met in Clubhouse, actually. You have a group there with another lady and talk about quilty biz, and I also, quilting is my business, and so that's been a really great place to connect. Well, what I have found is I love quilting, but I love the business of quilting as much as the actual sewing itself. That's awesome because for so many who do, where it does become their business, sometimes that sort of sucks the joy out of the creation side of it. So it is fun that you enjoy both parts of it. And certainly we'll talk about that at some point today, how you, you know, achieve that balance and all the good things. But first, I'd love to know kind of what brought you into quilting. Is this a family thing or was there a, you know, corner turning moment or how did you get started quilting? Well, when I was younger, I was always very crafty and I wanted to be an artist and I wanted to own my own business. And, and I kind of wanted to do those things at the same time, but I didn't know how to mar- marry the two. And my mom was also very crafty and she was a great seamstress. She would like make all my prom dresses. She would sew clothing. And so she really tried to get me interested in clothing, but I would have none of it. I realized later I don't like making um, 3D objects that have to bend around curves. I like making flat 2D objects like quilts. So I really was never interested. And then later when I got married and I was in college and I was um, kind of, I was pursuing my business degree. And also I just happened to fall into quilting. Some friends of mine were doing uh, charity quilts, making charity quilts, and they invited me to come join them. And it was love at first stitch. So right away I fell in love with quilting. And then later I was able to practice what I learned with my mom. And so even though she would sew, she never quilted. So she got me into sewing. I got her into quilting. And so it was a really nice little marriage there. And you both fell down the rabbit holes. <laughs> oh, big time, big time. And and I'll even share this little story. You know, so I got into quilting right away, like five minutes into it. I was getting my business degree in college. I was like, oh my gosh, I want this to be my business. How is this going to be my business? Because if I love this, other people must love it too. And if I can do what I love as my job, like even better. And so back then I was, I mean, the funny thing is that was over 20 years ago. And I always say it takes 20 years to become an overnight success, you know, because people don't see behind the scenes. So 
in your business, you do, you know, all the things. Well, maybe I'll let you list the things you do. That would be much better. You list some oh, of the, sure. the, the so, angles of your business. Yeah. So I travel and teach. Um, I design fabric. I write books. I write patterns. Um, I develop products. And then I'm also an ambassador for other things. Because the way I look at it is I love every aspect of quilting and every aspect of business. And this is, I don't know, maybe what's the word, mercurial of me or um, entrepreneurial of me. But like if I'm doing something and I can get paid for what I'm doing at the same time, like if I'm working with fabric and I can get free fabric, like then that helps me so that I can afford the hobby more, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I see just scrolling through your feed and your blog posts and so forth. I see that you also love sharing the things that you're doing. So if you get you some fabric or a nifty new sewing machine, it seems like a huge part of your joy is talking about that and telling others that they could have this too. <laughs> That's cool that you notice that because what, what I've realized throughout my life is you know how people process different things that happen in their life. The way I process it is by sharing. So it's kind of that, you know, joke like, okay, if you make a quilt and you don't share it on Instagram, you know, does anybody know that you made it? Did you really actually Did it really happen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like some people say, okay, their quilt isn't finished until it's labeled. My quilt isn't finished until I've taken a picture and shared about it on social media. I love that. And and we benefit by it because it is so clear. It really is in all of your various posting on the various places that you love to teach and share. And that just comes through so clearly. Oh, well, thanks. Okay. So most recently you do have a brand new product called the Krista cabinet. I'm dying to hear about this one. Oh my gosh. So this was a really fun story that came about because I have been quilting for, you know, I've been quilting for over 25 years and I've been doing it full-time as my full-time job for, I don't know, about 15 or 16 years now. And all throughout the process, I, so I teach domestic machine quilting on a regular sewing machine and I started sharing videos. And of course I travel and teach and all that. And so the more I've been sharing videos, the more people have been saying, Hey, how can I get your sewing machine and your design wall? And like, how can I make my sewing studio look like yours? Because you look like you're having so much fun. So about two years ago, I, I honestly was like, didn't have an answer for people because the, the cabinet I had been using at the time was something I bought like 20 years ago. The company was out of business. It was a no name brand. And I really hacked everything together. I basically started with the drop-in table that makes your sewing machine flush. And then I would like put little tables around it to kind of give, give myself room to hold the quilt. So people kept asking me every time I showed machine quilting videos, like, where can I get your setup? And I didn't have an answer for them. And because I share, I, I don't like telling people, no, I like to tell people, well, why yes, you can get this from ABC company over here. So I took some time and I started researching all of the companies that made furniture, trying to find the perfect quilting table for domestic machine quilting. And you know what? I could not find it. There was not one out there. There were, you know, it was kind of like the Goldilocks thing. There were many tables that were too small. Mm -hmm. There were many tables that were too big, but nobody had the right setup of me with it. You know, I was putting ironing boards and TV trays and foam core and all this like hacked together stuff. And I couldn't believe no one made the table. So I finally said, you know what, I'm just going to have to design it myself. So it took about two years to, uh, I contacted Arrow Sewing. Uh, We worked together in partnership. We developed the prototype and now it just came on the market and it is the perfect table for domestic machine quilting. I just love that. And, you know, we'll talk about it more and I will certainly put links in the show notes, but just looking over the picture, it has little features like rails that you can flip up so that your quilt doesn't go sliding off the edge and pull off the table, right? Like that's just a headache for machine quilters, the weight of that quilt. 
Well, you know, they do say that necessity is the mother of invention. And like I said, I, I put together things that worked okay, but basically what you need is you need room off to your left to hold the quilt. Mm -hmm. Most tables didn't have that. They had a big area, but they didn't have something to your left. And this and is why you would cobble in the ironing board, the TV trays and those sorts exactly, of things all to keep need... the weight of the quilt up. Exactly. And then some of them, well, maybe you could pull out an extension, but then you didn't have any room to put like your notions and your water. They would have storage drawers, but you need room to the right of your sewing machine. And so you'd have these big, beautiful tables with like three inches of space. I'm like, no, you need a little piece, a little tray, a little flip up that you can put your notions, your scissors, stuff that you grab, not stuff that you put away in store for later, stuff that is there on the table that you can grab while you're quilting. And then the third thing you mentioned is this thing, which we have uh, called Krista's quilt block, which are basically guardrails for your quilt. They're little, it's something that you attach to your table. So you can attach it to any table and it basically forms a lip about three to four inches high all the way around the edge of your quilt, your table, so that your quilt doesn't fall off. I was like, yes. how did nobody think of this before when you're quilting and your your quilt is falling off the edges? So anyway, just stuff that I thought I would find on the market. And when I couldn't, it was very frustrated. I was like, okay, who's going to take a gamble on me and who's going to help me get this product out there? Because if I need it, I know other people need it too. It's true. It's true. But I got to tell you, my favorite part on the table is when you pull out the drawer on your left-hand side, you've actually got a little insert that fits on there to make a beautiful table. So I sew at a desk in my sewing room, and it's just a repurposed office-type desk. But that's how I make my faux table extension is I just pull out the drawer to its fullest extent, right? But having the little insert on top that actually creates a table surface on top of it is genius. Yeah, and then we, we developed, um, it has like a little um, thing underneath it, like a little, what am I trying to say? Like a, just a little piece that pulls out so that it holds the weight. Support. Because some of them, yeah. when I was looking at it, yeah, support. Some of them would have like where you could pull out the drawer and you could put something on it, but then there was nothing supporting it unless you bought a whole separate thing and put drawers underneath it. And so it didn't give you the weight and support. And so they made a support piece. You know, the downfall is, yeah, you can't put any drawers under it. You just have the one drawer, but it gives you the support so that when you're putting your left elbow on it, when you've got the weight, when you're dragging anyway, just all of these things that, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I was really, I was surprised that nobody had designed a custom table like this. And some of the amazing quilters out there that would like endorse all these other tables, I realized, oh, okay, well, so-and-so quilter must know what she's talking about. Let me go check out that table. But then I realized, oh, so-and-so quilter doesn't necessarily quilt her on quilts. So her table mm -hmm. might be great for sewing, but not for quilting. So again, Everything that I share, everything that I do, this is what works according to Krista. And if one other person out there can benefit from what I'm sharing, then I feel like my, you know, that's made my day. Yeah. Well, it is definitely a very purpose-built table. So it's probably not for the person who, you know, once or twice a year, you know, quilts a little baby quilt at her domestic machine. She can probably manage with much less. But you have just brought all your years of experience to bear and all the things you could think of that you wish a table had and put it all well, in this one piece. And the best thing is now I have an answer for people because as soon as I started sharing videos and, you know, 24 people in five minutes asked, where can I get your table? I finally have an answer for them. And that's that makes me happy. I can finally say, yes, I can help you. Here's where you can get it. Yay. How nice. You have something else that is really brand new, which is KristaQuilts.tv. And this is your YouTube channel. Is that right? What's all showing up there? 
Exactly. So this is another one of those things that, you know, rattles in my head and it's kind of part of my journey on where I say I've been quilting for 25 years. I've been doing it full time now for about 15 or so. You know, it takes at least 10 years to become an overnight success. For the last 10 years, I have been wanting to do videos, but it has taken me a while to figure it all out. And so finally, what I came up with, it's just over on YouTube. Um, you can just Google Krista Watson or Krista Quilts and you'll find me. But but I purchased the domain name to make it easier. So it just you. So you just go to Krista Quilts with a CH, KristaQuilts.tv, and it's my YouTube channel where I am posting videos every single week. And the reason it took me a while to get to this is I had to commit to every single week because I talked to a bunch of like sewing YouTube stars and they all told me, they said, well, the way to get your audience is you post consistently. You don't just post sporadically. You say, okay, every Wednesday, 10 a.m., I'm going to have a new video. And that way people know they treat it as a TV show. And so that's probably one of the reasons it took me a while is because I, whenever I do something, I ask, I research, I talk to people, I interview. I don't just do it. It takes me a while to figure out, you know, how to do it. The, I don't want to say the right way, how to do it in a way that works. And so basically what I do is um, every week I share a video. One week it is a tutorial showing how to make one of my quilt patterns from start to finish. Everything, cutting, wow. piecing, basting, machine quilting, binding, every single step. And the second uh, week, the next week, I share an informal chat about what's going on in my world, you know, what's happening in the quilting industry, that kind of thing. And so by alternating that a tutorial one week and a chat the next week, I'm able to do video content every week without getting too overwhelmed. Right. So I'm, I would love to check back with you in a year or so and see how that's going for you. I too have a YouTube channel and I probably watched the same people that said, you know, consistency is key, not necessarily how often, but how consistent. So for me, because I'm a long armor, what I've chosen to do is live streaming my quilting. So I, I go that. on the first and third Friday of each month. So mine is much less frequent than yours, but I chose that because it fits me right. And in order to commit to it. Um, because it's so long, um, the time-wise is so long. So I'm curious, all of that story, to say I'm curious to see how this turns out for you and how rapidly you can find growth doing this weekly content, because um, that's quite a bit oftener than mine. And of course, yeah, you have an audience too. So Well, and it's funny too, because I love that you brought up like the live thing. I keep trying to do live and I just can't. And the, the ironic in, in thing way? is I... Well, I teach live. So like I will okay. go and I will teach, like I'm teaching at Quilt Festival this year and I give lectures and I travel the country and, and I go anywhere and I teach live. And the reason I'm okay with that is because I talk very fast. I stumble over my words. And when I'm live, we can laugh it off. The audience is okay. And we just move on. When I'm trying to do a video presentation because I don't have any feedback, I don't hear the audience laughing at my jokes it's much more difficult to me. And I, and I get, I get in panic mode. It's really weird. And so that's part of this, you know, multi-year process that I've been figuring out is I've tried doing Facebook live. I've tried doing live streaming. I don't like it. And so one of the things I teach in my classes and online, it's just as important to find out what you don't like as it is what you do. So I don't like, I love watching live streaming. Like I love watching you, Susan. It's so fun, so inspiring. Even though you're long armor, I'm domestic. I love watching it, but I don't like doing it. And so I really want people to understand their way is the right way. They don't yes. have to do Susan's way. They yes. don't have to do Krista's way. They do their way. And maybe it's a combination of the two. And just like this applies to quilting in general, there's something for everyone. And I love that. 
I completely agree, but what a great viewpoint is to just take the time to figure out what is your way. It will be so much easier and so much less stress-inducing. Like, it's difficult to film, whether live or whether pre-recorded. It's difficult. But to, to do it in the way that works best for you and fits you is just so critical. I'm glad you pointed that out. That's so great. Oh, thanks. I'm curious, too, because quilting clearly has consumed a great big chunk of your adult life. What else do you do in your life? Do you have other hobbies that kind of keep you sane and grounded or is just, is it all about quilting? Because of course you do have all the different facets. I get that, but are there other well, hobbies? I, I love being outside and I love being active. Like um, we live in Las Vegas and it's very hot here. And like everybody else in Las Vegas during the pandemic, we built a swimming pool. Because if you don't have a swimming pool, you either know somebody who has a swimming pool. That's the only way you stay cool. And so ever since we built that, I've been swimming every day. I love getting out and running. I love hiking. Um, I just love being outdoors because when I, I think it's because when I'm sewing indoors, that's very intense. And I spend lots of hours sewing. And so when I'm not sewing. I want to be outside. I want the sunshine on my face. Um, Las Vegas has wonderful weather. If anybody's not been here, I don't mind the heat. And then in the winter, it doesn't get too cold. So you pretty much, you know, if it's, it's a cold day, if I have to put on socks, let's just put it that way. Oh boy! But um, I love being outdoors. So taking walks, hiking, you know, any of that kind of thing, just to enjoy to kind of balance my indoor time when I'm working. That, that makes good sense. And even just for your eyes and brain, like that's just a really good balance of, of, um, the parts of your brain that you're using. I find that it's, it is quite stressful on eyes to sew for long periods of time. So yeah, that has to really be balanced out with other activities, bigger ones. Um, I saw too that it looks like you're, you and your husband have an online, well, you have a big, huge online shop, but is your husband involved in this or more of your family? Is this kind of a family business now? Well, we have three kids and they're all adults and they have definitely worked for us at one time. And we've always told them, hey, you guys could come work for us. And and they're they're not really interested, which is totally fine. They're pursuing their own activities. But yeah, my husband, he quit his job. I can't do math anymore. But he quit his job back in like 2006 to join me. And at the time, we actually sold quilting supplies online. We had our own website. And of course, it was all under the name Krista Quilts. Well, the joke about that is once he joined me and we really spent you know a lot of time getting this website up and running like a full service online quilt shop, the joke was Krista didn't quilt because Krista was spending so much time cutting and packaging and shipping orders. And so my husband came up with the idea. He said, well, why don't we kind of focus and streamline? He's like, why don't I take care of, why don't I focus on the online sales portion of it? And then you can fo focus on what you want to do, which is the writing, the teaching, the quilting, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's the two parts of our business, the designer stuff, the fabric design, the book writing, the teaching, and then the online fabric sales, which is what he manages. And the funny thing about that is even though it's Krista quilts and it's my name and lights and all that, we both go to quilt market together. He buys, I sell, it works really well, but he is very much an introvert. Okay. That I, is just, that is such an yes. opposite. <laughs> it took me a minute to catch on to that, but yeah, now I finally caught it. That's yes. Great. Yes. So he, he's like, not at all interested in the bright lights. He doesn't want to be interviewed. He doesn't want to be like, he does not want to be the face of the business at all. So his name is Jason. He's a wonderful supporter. You may see me with him at Quilt Market, but he is so happy to be behind the scenes, quietly out of sight and let me, you know, be as loud and obnoxious as I want to be. <laughs> I've I've interviewed a number of ladies actually and I am one of them too whose husband is a real partner in the business and it's just really interesting to see how we form these partnerships every couple is very different 
And it seems like the ones who kind of make the best success of it are two who are very different people because you bring really different things into the mix and it makes a really great business partnership. I think so, because I'm the one that has like all the pie in the sky dreams of like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And he's very grounded. He's very much. Do you have time to do this? How do you, you know? And so for me, it's good to have the great big dreams, because if you don't have the dreams, you're not going to get anywhere. But by him keeping me grounded, I don't overcommit and I don't take on more than I can you know, deal with in a reasonable time frame. Yeah. Yeah. And, and each couple has their own distinct, you know, places like that. For my husband and I, he's the techie guy. I would never in a million years have started a YouTube channel or for that matter, a podcast. If it wasn't for Dave behind me saying, I'll do all that stuff. All you have to do is do the talking. Like, okay, I can manage the talking. (laughs) That is awesome. Because you know what, again, it all goes back to do what you're good at, do what you can do. And nowadays, anybody that wants to, you know, start a quilting business, you can't just be a quilter. You have to be an editor and you have to be a photographer and you have to be a copywriter and you have to, you know, you have to be, you have have to, you know, yeah. And you, and it's, it's more than just the quilting. And so by having all those skills, it's hard to do that all yourself. So if you can have that help behind the scenes makes a world of difference. It sure does. I wonder if you would give us a brief little tour. Um, I'll preface this by saying I've written just a few quilting patterns, just enough to know that that is not my passion, but also to appreciate the amount of work that goes into producing one. And it just, it it makes me so appreciate ladies who do or, or people who do produce these quilting patterns. But I wonder if you would just give us a quick kind of walkthrough of the process that creating a quilt and its corresponding pattern and presenting it for sale takes. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a lot of work. That was another one of those 10 year projects that way back when I started teaching in the early 90s, I always taught my own stuff. Back then I was using like EQ4 and I would design my quilts in electric quilt and I would print off my pattern notes and I would show the finished product, but it was never a fully formed pattern. And it took me a long time to get all of the technical knowledge together and the help to make that happen. So basically what I do is I start with the seed of an idea. For example, if I want to do something with circles or triangles or squares, I give myself parameters. Do I want it to be a large quilt or a small quilt? Do I want it to be easy to piece or intricate? Do I want to show off fabric? Um, Those kind of things. So I give myself a couple parameters, guidelines, and then I sit there and I just design. And to come up with one idea, it usually has about 10 to 20 different designs behind it. So when I find an idea that I like, later on, I'll explore that in different ways. So example, my triangle quilt might turn into a triangle quilt, but then a year from now, that same triangle quilt maybe turns into a more rectangular quilt just because of the iteration that I do. So I am not a fast designer. In fact, I have less, I've been uh, designing for a while. I have less than 20 patterns to my name. Um, standalone patterns because I'm a very slow designer because each design takes a lot of iteration. So once I have the basic bare bones of the design and I do this in electric quilt, then I go back and I color it. Before I became a fabric designer, of course, I would use other people's fabrics. Now that I'm a fabric designer with Bennertex, I use all my own fabric, but I'm basically going for a color scheme. You know, am I doing a, you know, red, white, and blue quilt? Am I doing a red and green Christmas quilt? Am I doing a pastel color quilt? So I'm doing it more based on color. So I get the colors in place and then I fine tune it with the exact fabrics I want to use. And because I design in EQ, I make sure that when I'm finalizing the design, I insert the actual digital swatches so that I know exactly what the fabric looks like. 
I am a big planner. And so if I have everything planned out, the piecing, the fabric, even the machine quilting, before I start making the quilt, then I can enjoy the process of making the quilt because all of the decisions have been made ahead of time. So to summarize, I figure out what I'm going to do. I get it all planned out ahead of time, and then I dive in and make the quilt. And throughout that process, there's iterations, there's marketing, there's planning blog posts, now there's planning videos, and I plan all that ahead of time so that I know I have enough time to get it done. It only takes me a few days to actually make a quilt, but it takes weeks of development for the pattern. It takes, you know, days of editing. It takes, you know, uh, photography, just all of the stuff to make the finished product. Yes. And photography is something we had not mentioned before. You know, that is just so critical in terms of the whole marketing scheme because you need photographs for, you know, the front of the pattern, usually within the pattern. You need photographs of the process. You need photographs of the quilt in use or maybe the quilt made in different fabrics to, to get people's imagination going, all those things. And those are all so, so important. Exactly. And that's one of the things, too, that I've realized I, I can do detailed photography where I can get close up and show the quilting, but I'm not good at the styled photography. So that's one thing I've started hiring out. I have a local friend of mine who actually does that. She does portraits and product photography. And so recently, just the last few months, she started helping me with my finished, not my in progress, like in my studio when I'm working on something, that's all me filming and video and uh taking pictures. But when I have the beautiful finished quilt with a pretty desert scene in the background or the mountains nearby or something like that, that I hire out. And I'm just so happy with the results. Again, learning what, what things you're really, really good at and the things that you less so that you could have other people whose, whose niche that is do it. I love that. Exactly. Do you consider yourself a fairly modern quilter? And maybe, maybe what's the definition of that for you? Well, so yes, and only because I used to make traditional quilts and I would teach traditional quilts and I would design traditional quilts and I loved the quilt making. But when I was done with my sample, my class sample, whatever my pattern, I didn't use that quilt because the only reason I made that quilt was to teach how to make that quilt. I didn't use it. Once I discovered modern quilting and I attended the first quilt con in 2013, everything changed because all of a sudden, I wanted to use the quilts I was making when they were in more of the modern style. To me, the way I look at modern quilting, it's very minimal, it's very clean, it's not fussy. It's the opposite of shabby chic that was really popular in the 90s. Yes. It was opposite of blendery, watercolory. It's very crisp, it's very clean, you have very defined lines, you have this thing called hard edges where things do not blend in together. That's why a lot of quilters use solids because you get those clean, distinct breaks in between the designs. It's very geometric. So geometric, simplistic, minimalist, that's kind of what I enjoy now. I love that. Again, very evident across your, your photographs and feed. And I always find it fascinating to look at a quilter's photos over a period of years and see how their aesthetic has changed. Have you found that to happen for you? I mean, you alluded to that a little bit, but what... How has that changed Absolutely. for you? Absolutely. Yeah, in two ways, the piecing and the machine quilting. They've both been affected. So the piecing, like I said, rather than taking, you know, making something very, very fussy and intricate, kind of two things I look at it. Back in the 90s when I started quilting, I looked into art quilting. I looked at the quilts of G's Bend, liked those, liked Gwen Marston, liked Nancy Crow, Michael James, all of these artists at the time that were making abstract art quilts. 
I liked their quilts. Then you had other amazing artists that were doing boundary pushing things. They were putting chewing gum wrappers on their quilts. They were making pictorial quilts, buttons and beads and chicken wire and like all this really, really interesting textural stuff. Those quilts did not appeal to me. They were highly embellished. They were highly artistic. They weren't clean and crisp and minimal. And because that subsection of art quilting did not appeal to me, I wrote off art quilting and I said, I'm not an art quilter. I could kick myself because I know what those early artists, Gwen Marston, Michael James, Nancy Crow, they were making what is now called modern quilts. And so it's the abstract, it's the 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 not including all the embellishment. And my other quick fun side story, I may I remember making this quilt back in the year 2000 uh, using millennial fabric. That was the big thing, you know, fabric with the year 2000. And it was just this very simple Christmassy quilt with Christmas trees and the millennial fabric said the year 2000 in the background, very, very subtle. So I made this quilt that featured Christmas trees and I taught this class. I never finished the quilt because I never embellished my Christmas trees. And so I would teach the class and people would make these Christmas trees and they would embellish them with buttons and beads and, you know, baubles and all this kind of stuff. And I thought something's wrong with me. I don't finish. I'm not adding, um, I'm not adding texture to this quilt. I'm not embellishing my quilt. And now looking back later, oh, back in 2020 or back in 2000, that was because that was the modern sensibility of not embellishing, not adding that extra layer. And so I just laugh at that now. And I was like, oh yeah. So now I've reworked that Christmas design in a more modern format and it's okay to not embellish your Christmas tree. You can just like the simple triangle shape, which is what attracted it to me in the first place. Agreed. Totally agreed. And so, so let's see. Oh, that, that I was going to say that was the first thing that the piecing more simplistic and then the machine quilting. The story with that is that back in the day when I was teaching classes in my local area, I would teach everybody how to make a quilt from start to finish. We'd go through the whole process like my videos show now quilting, basting, piecing the whole yard, nine yards. And I would buy these stencils and I would design, well, I would draw all over the quilt with these stencils and I'd get very frustrated when I couldn't stay on the lines of quilting. And so it was very symmetrical. It was very traditional. It was very lots and lots of time drawing out all your feather wreaths, getting everything all perfect and, and matched up. And then as I would stitch as a domestic machine quilter, I would wobble and I would bobble. And my, the left side of my quilted heart did not look like the right side of my quilted heart and it was asymmetrical so I thought that that was something wrong with me and I wasn't a good enough teacher I wasn't a good enough quilter because I couldn't get precise perfect quilting with these stencils so again fast forward once I discovered the modern style which means oh you can be irregular you can be mm -hmm. imperfect you can be improvisational you can be asymmetrical I really embrace that and so my whole style of machine quilting is modern machine quilting quilting it to death to hide your mistakes, asymmetrical textures that focus on the finished piece rather than the individual stitches. I hear you. Yay. I am so entranced with quilting as it becomes a texture as opposed to a design. Does that make sense? Like you're yes. describing some of the, the older style where you had the feathered wreath that was a circle in the middle of the block or those sort of, that's pictorial to me. And I love just creating texture in a quilt so that when it's all done, you don't really see the quilting. You just see the thing as a whole, that beautiful texture. 
Exactly. For me, even though I teach machine quilting and I write books about machine quilting, the quilting is not the star of the show, the overall design and texture. And honestly, it comes from pure laziness and having to figure out how to make something look good. Because if you quilt a design motif, you know, that feather, that heart, whatever, that's the star of your show and your block. And if you're off a half an inch or your line wobbles, you're, you're going to see that mistake. It's going to stand out like a sore thumb. One line of stitching is going to stand out like a sore thumb. You surround that imperfect line of stitching with more imperfect stitching. And all of a sudden you can't find your mistakes. So people say, why do you quilt your quilts to death? And I am like, I do it to hide the imperfection of my quilting because the more you quilt, the less you see the individual stitches. Absolutely true. And, you know, I, we don't mean to minimize the quilting of a project when we say you don't really see the quilting or it's not the star of the show. It's absolutely critical in making that quilt be a quilt and not two-dimensional. But there's just something about it's not the first thing that catches your eye. And even with the, you know, the colors and the geometry that's so prevalent in the modern quilting, like um, in the modern quilting world, the style, um, even there, that quilting texture is just plays it up so beautifully. I just love it. It does. And what's really fun, especially with free motion quilting, you know, I do, I do both. I do modern quilting. Um, I do walking foot quilting. I do free motion. You know, there's kind of a, a little misnomer or rumor out there that I also like to quell where, you know, number one, people think, oh, modern quilts are all just made from solids. Absolutely not true. Or modern quilts, all they do is straight line quilting. Absolutely not true. You can do modern machine quilting. You can do free motion machine quilting. You know, maybe you do your modern feathers, but they don't, they're not all the same size. Maybe they aren't curvy feathers. Maybe they are geometric feathers. Maybe they are an odd number of feathers. You know, you can take your swirls, you can take all your traditional quilting motifs and you can modernize them, combine them in new and exciting ways and utilize both walking foot quilting and free motion quilting to make a modern quilt. And for that matter, to make them, to make, a traditional quilt as well, it all goes back to do what you enjoy and do what is fun for you. It completely does. It goes right back to your epiphany when you kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater and the art quilts. That's important for someone trying to decide what they like or what their style is. Don't don't take one whole thing, but look at take at the individual parts of it and look at it. Is it the quilting I love? Is it the straight line? Is it the symmetry or the asymmetry? All those things. That's what exactly. that's what makes and things I, appealing or not. Yeah, and I think what really helps is because of course back then in the nineties I didn't have the internet. I didn't have people saying, Oh, well yeah, I'm an art quilter, but no, I don't make all art quilts. Like had I seen somebody write about that in a blog, had I seen that, I would have like given my permission to say, Oh, okay, I can like the quilts of Gwen Marston, you know, even if I don't like the quilts of somebody else, you know. And so yeah, just just having the technology at our fingertips, having like a wide open world of exploration and the whole mashup. The thing that makes me mo more excited, even though I like to say I like modern quilts, I love it when people say, don't define me. Don't put me in a box. Mm -hmm. Let me just do what I want to do. And that's just exciting when I get to see somebody else make that decision for themselves too. Agree completely. Yeah, really good point. Really good point. Well, before we go, gosh, we've had a good visit. This is grand. But before we go, I wonder if you've got a little gem that you would like to leave with our listeners. Can be something you've learned in the crafting world, something you've learned about life, humorous, small, important, whatever you like. I I think because, like I said, this journey has taken me a long time. I started quilting in my 20s. I'm now in my 40s. 
I took too long to go for my dreams, meaning I wanted to be a traveling teacher. I wanted to be an instructor, write books, write patterns. But at the time, because I didn't have access to people doing that, I was the youngest person in my guild when I was in my 20s. And we would have all these national award-winning people come and they were all older and they were of retirement age. And so I thought, oh, I can't do that until I'm them. I can't do that till my kids are out of the house. I can't do that till I'm a grandma. And so that changed when I went to QuiltCon in 2013. And, and by then I was in my 40s. And I saw people my age and younger taking the bull by the horns and writing books and traveling and teaching. And I was like, oh, I don't have to wait. So that's my gem. You don't have to wait until a certain anything. If you want to do something, do it now. If you can't do it now, dream about it now. Write a journal about it. Make a plan for it to happen. And don't be the one standing in your own way. So, so good. Thank you ever so much for joining me. This has just been a feast of stories. I will have links in the show notes to all the places that folks can find you and especially to your special Krista table. I'm just so happy for you. What a rewarding project to finally have out in the world. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And like I said, getting to know you and getting to know you online, it's just, it's fun. I feel like a kid in a candy store when I'm meeting all these wonderful quilters. I'm like, oh, I get to have another friend. I get to have another friend. We like the same thing. That really, that really fills me up. Too, too fun. Well, let's check back in a year or so and see how the YouTube channel is doing. I'm really anxious to see how well that will be received. It's lovely. All right. Sounds great to me. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on the listening app of your choice? And please, please do share this episode with your friends that you think would enjoy it. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, email me at info at So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.